Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also get us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show, download us, listen when you want to listen. It's 309 here in the station in Pittston, 67 degrees and sunny. For a change, we got a nice day out there. It's been uh, hazy, rainy, and miserable the past couple of days, but it looks like we're going to have a good stretch here. Typical fall, clear days. Nice. Wish we had a little more daylight left uh, during the day, but I guess that's uh, part of fall, right? The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by the Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com, and I appreciate them for their show sponsorship for today. Lots going on today. We have a lot of good guests calling in. Later at the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to have a, a member from the Wilkes-Barre Township PBA uh, talk, talk about a benefit for one of our own here in Northeast Pennsylvania that's, uh, you know, having a rough go of it. And the law enforcement is there for us when we need them. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those times where we could be there for them. So they're going to be in the 4 o'clock hour to discuss or call in at 4 o'clock hour to discuss uh, how we can help, how we can be part of it. Uh, I'm planning to stop by this event. It's going to be tomorrow. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about it then. And then at the 5 o'clock hour, I'm going to have uh, James Laporta, national security reporter for The Messenger, on um, this North Korean incident where an enlisted soldier from the Army ran across the border, has been there in North Korea for the past few months, and uh, has now been returned to the United States military authorities. And uh, we're going to get the what happened there, the story behind the story, and, and where we're at now with that. So that's going to be a great update uh, James Laporte is a wealth of knowledge, uh, a Marine, and now, like I said, the national security reporter for The Messenger. And we have got a lot going on. You know, you have uh, Menendez, Senator Menendez from New Jersey, was in court today, he pled not guilty. And you have an outpouring of Democrats that are asking for his resignation. And again, he is innocent until proven guilty. There is uh, a lot of evidence there. But we'll see what happens. His uh, more evidence will come out. I, I just it was just reported today that he spent three hundred thousand dollars at Morton Steakhouse. So that's going to be interesting uh, to find out the details behind that. But you know, more so his uh, his leaning on his Cuban roots, you know, his Cuban ancestry, to uh, as a reason why he's got gold bars and. Uh, almost a half a million dollars in cash stuffed in pockets and envelopes in his uh, house. And even if that flies, how is the DNA and or fingerprints from his co-defendants on those envelopes and money? So it's going to be interesting, but uh, it's it, you have both senators from Pennsylvania, both uh, Fetterman and Casey, requesting him to resign. You have a, a large contingency of Democrats asking for him to resign. And, and it's simply because it's a safe seat. They know that uh, there there is no, at this time, substantial GOP risk to take that seat. And, and if he resigns at this point, uh, I believe the governor gets to appoint someone anyway to a special election. So we'll see what happens there. We also had, and I, I hope you saw it, but it was all over social media. Some of the news has been covering it. These, what else do you call them? smash-and-grab riots in Philadelphia that were quite widespread. 
I'm hearing all the state stores in Philadelphia are closed today. 18 of them were ransacked. 18 state stores were ransacked. Again, that's what I'm reading off of social media, off uh, one of the news posts. I saw video. There were, there's a YouTuber named Meatball uh, who's now under arrest. And it's kind of funny because she was all giddy and laughing and cheering on the crowd as they were ransacking these stores and by Lululemon, Apple stores, the state liquor stores. I mean, there were dozens upon dozens of stores. They estimated about 200 youths. And um, so this meatball was live streaming the entire thing. And I'm not making fun of the person. That's the name she goes by. That's her YouTube name or her TikTok name or whatever social media handle she has. It's meatball. And then they have her arrest. She was actually live streaming when she was arrested which is quite ironic and and kind of funny. The whole thing is tragic, but for situations like that, you kind of have to give it a chuckle and say, uh, you know, if they were smart, we'd be in trouble. But then there's the mugshot, the arrest photo of of Meatball with the tears streaming down her face. And, uh, you know, obviously in regret, they have her on, uh, they have her on uh, her own live stream which is, you know, it's on social media. You know, the Internet's forever. And basically cheering this on, roaring, making light of it. And, and thanks to her video, the, they're going to make other arrests because her, her, her video was kind of in-depth of what she covered. She was in the mix. And uh, they got some pretty good video footage, even though a lot of the suspects, a lot of the juveniles were masked. But this was, this was a targeted... This was a coordinated mob riot attack on businesses in, in, uh, in Philadelphia. It did take law enforcement by surprise. Law enforcement were able to apprehend. There's a few of them there already. Videos out there where you see largely outnumbered law enforcement trying to struggle with some of the juveniles as others are just running right by them or attempting to obstruct them while they try to arrest people. It, it was really mayhem. I was listening to some of the radio traffic from down there while it was happening. And it was literally mayhem. They were calling for all hands on deck for a a situation like this. They did end up tactically doing a very great job. The Philadelphia Police Department cordoned off like whole block areas, like a few blocks, cordoned off the entire thing and um, basically brought the net in closer and closer to check the cars and, and get all the juveniles that were in that vicinity. I shouldn't say all, a lot of them that were in that vicinity. So by casting a wide net, cordoning off the area, and then shrinking it, they were able to get these. There were a lot of of juveniles in cars with the merchandise in their cars. There were a lot on bicycles. So they they did a very good job of of cordoning them off and, and, like I said, shrinking that net to they were able to get them. There was a, a lot of panic there, and now they have the, all the video that's out there. One of the dumb things about all the recordings in the social media age with everyone with their phones out is you're giving the evidence, which is a great thing for law enforcement. It's a great thing for the businesses there. But this is at a time where Target is announcing closing major stores uh, all across America because of crime and these type of thefts, because of the the security risks to their employees and shoppers. So... This is just going to speed that up. And one of the stores that Target's is closing is uh, up in the, the upper New York area in the Bronx, where 
just in 2008, when it was one of the first Target stores to enter the New York City area, it was touted as bringing much-needed um, much needed stores to an underserved area. And that was the whole point of Target going there. They wanted to do that. They wanted to serve this community, but just in a mere 15 years, it's become unsustainable for them, the losses, the danger to them. And they're closing the store. Who loses? Well, yeah, Target loses, but they'll open a store somewhere else and make up those losses. The people who worked in these stores, the hundreds of people from that area who worked in this store, the people who shopped at this store, who uh, you know were able to get national products at a decent price. So it, it'll be interesting to see uh, see how this affects the Philadelphia area, especially for stores like Apple, like Lululemon. I mean, is there going to be a point where Apple is just going to serve high-dollar areas and everything else online? And we have to see. I mean, the mayor has come out and said, uh, actually applauded the Philadelphia Police Department and said this is not this is uh, not to be tolerated. Well, it is because you and your administration and its policies have tolerated. You've set up the stage for this. You you've allowed this to where they coordinate this on social media. They coordinate this through back channels because of the door opening that you've allowed. The prosecutions in Philadelphia are abysmal. The DA does not consider this, you know, pursuable crime. We'll see what he does with it now, especially since a lot of these individuals are going to be juvenile. But what's going to happen? Say they arrest 30 or 40 of these kids. And I say kids because that's what they appeared to be. They appeared to be under the age of 18. A lot of them, some of them will not be. They arrest them and there's no fallout. There is no punishment. They get off scot-free. That word travels like wildfire. Hey, you know, I stole $5,000 worth of merchandise. I got a slap on the wrist. Nothing happened. I spent two days in jail in a juvie house. Saw my buddies. And I'm out. Here I am back here. So when are we planning the next one? And that's exactly the way these conversations happen. So, uh, you know, that's what's kind of going on in a not too far from us. What, two hours south of us here in Philadelphia? And it's, it's they're showing it on uh, on the news now. And, and it was just uh, it was mayhem down there. Hopefully they do the right thing and hold these individuals accountable. If you commit planned crime like this. I don't care if you're a juvenile. I don't care it's not. This is more than just a kid making a mistake. This is more than getting caught up in the moment. This was a planned, coordinated gang attack on merchants in Philadelphia. A little bit more close to home, and I, and I want to touch on this, but there's so much else happening, is here in our area, Wyoming Area School District, at their school board meeting last night, removed police incident reports from the board's monthly meeting agenda and minutes. So every month they would tell the community, they would tell the board, hey, these are what happened the past month as far as police incidents. And now it wasn't specific. It was just broken down into categories. Obviously, it's all juveniles. So they don't get specifics on the case. They would just say, okay, there were three assaults. There were five drugs. There were four you know, truancies, there was four smoking incidents. You know, these are the type of things there. And all of a sudden it stopped and it brought questions from some of the school board. But on a vote of five to three, Tuesday, they voted against including police incident reports in the board's monthly meetings, which some of the public said, well, why? 
we should be able to know what's going on in our kids' school as far as crime. And they're right. They should. Now, the, the school administration says that this information is going to be put on their website so people can see it anytime they want. Okay, well, when it's done, then you can stop putting it in the report. The fact that you stop something, and, and I don't think there's anything nefarious here. I don't think there's any major incidents that happened in the past month or two that they're trying to hide, maybe, but I, I don't think so looking into this. But why would you create that controversy where none needs to be exist? If you plan on putting it on your website already, state that. State that, hey, this is the last month we're going to be putting it in the board report because starting today, these numbers will be on our website at this website on our school district link. Problem solved. But school boards, administrations, especially this day and age where parents are skeptical of what's going on with their kids at school, especially with school safety being at the forefront of the discussions, why would you create a controversy that doesn't need to be? Why would you create an issue where there doesn't need to be one? It's very simple. If that's what you're transitioning, then transition it. Don't have a big vote to say, hey, we're not going to provide this anymore and not have any numbers for this month because now you have speculation. Now you have conspiracy theories. Now you have the question, hey, well, what are you trying to hide? Stop this nonsense. Just do what you need to do. It's amazing how we overcomplicate things, especially people in administrative authority like school boards or school administrators. This didn't even need to be a discussion. Hey, we're going to seamlessly move this from the monthly board report, and that's now available on our website. It's not that difficult. You have a technical person that's probably paid a lot of money from the school to do the website. Have them do it. It doesn't need to be a conspiracy theorist issue made at a school board meeting when you should be dealing with the things that help our children as far as education goes. Something like this, yes, it's great information. It's information that parents should have. It's information that the community should have, the taxpayers should have. There's no reason to have a gap or a delay or make it seem like you're hiding something. It's 323 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 327 here at the station, 67 degrees and sunny. We go to the phones now. We have Joe from Berwick on Crime in Philly. Joe. Oh, Rob, Rob I, you know, it, it, it's tragic. I don't even know where to start because, for one thing, when I think of the young people who did all this, uh, it, it, it bothers me that there's nobody who understands that these young people, primarily young men, are being taught that, that it's okay to do something that is sinful and that you're destroying the, the, the morals of these young people with all this. But, but on top of that, Rob, I'm just going to say this. You know, I, I wonder if somebody is actually going to stand up now and start calling out this whole entitlement mentality and those who are benefiting off of it and, and, and just start saying, please shut your mouth. Stop telling young people that they're, that they're victims and it, because this, that, that's not the real history this is a culture issue, but that's, that's not the real history of people in America and their struggle against, um, you know, racism and prejudice and whatnot. The reason I say that is because it's a known fact that when people had to justify why they believed in Jim Crow and segregation, and these were church-going people, 
they justified it by saying, well, if we allow people free reign because of who they are, they're going to act this way, the very things that we're seeing. That's what they used to justify how they upheld those kinds of systems. When that kind of thing was in place, people fought against that by by themselves having a culture that valued achievement. In other words, people were taught at one time in this country to, to do something twice as good if you had to to fight prejudice that was against you. And, and that led to a culture which was very high, you know, very high, uh, high achievement. And, that, and that's a known fact that it was like that. So to go from what we had then to what we have now, whether people want to admit this or not, it's a cultural issue. And the people who um, are stoking this culture for their own benefit, they're sitting there in some of the richest areas in this country collecting millions of dollars by, by promoting this, this victimhood mentality. They, they need to be called out because they're ruining an entire culture of young people. And it's a shame. They are, Joe. I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling with those thoughts. Um, Yes, there is. There needs to be, and there's the people that are more. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 3.38 here at the station, 67 degrees and sunny. Got a text. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Somebody said the epidemic is fatherlessness, and that's 100%. Another text message said, most kids don't want to go to school, so if they're out in a work camps, they should be taught a trade, too. I agree, but at least once they get their GED. So uh, it's not difficult, uh, and I think them doing something they don't want to do is a good part of the punishment that also helps them in the long run by getting at least a GED, if not a high school diploma. Listen, but before I became a police officer in New York, I was a crisis preventionist for the Office of Mental Health in New York State. I worked in a secure residential school, which was a high school for children with either mental issues, behavioral issues, or violence issues that were unsuitable for the public school setting. It was a secured facility. It was a lockdown facility. They had residences for each. They had four dorm houses, one for girls, three for boys. And, um, and a school with a full school staff, and I was a crisis preventionist. I, I was called in. I was certified by the state to restrain kids, bring them. Um, we, ha- we had a padded room. We had, you know, the timeout rooms for them. We had nurses on staff to give them uh, IMs if, for, of their medication if they needed to be tranquilized. But they were there, and the primary concern was to get them their education. So if they were in a classroom setting, and the classrooms were small, they were like eight to each classroom, and they raged, ranged in age anywhere from your freshman in high school all the way up to 21, because that's when you officially age out of school in New York State. Teacher, if the kid was started to get aggravated, if he started to have an issue or, or an outbreak, the teacher would push a panic button quietly. We'd come in the room, sit with them, had a relationship with the kids. That's, that's how I learned how to talk to people back then, because the, the whole key was to keep the, keep the youth in, in the classroom to get their education. 
take them out, spend some time with them, hear them out, let them vent, let them talk about their things. But there were times where they just wanted to, a physical outburst. And, and that's what we were there for, to prevent any injuries to other students, to themselves, the teachers, or other staff. Um, similar to that. And, and I have experience in this field, and I saw the way it worked. I saw the way you know, th- these people, and, and to, to talk about some of the backgrounds of who we had, we had just violent kids that, that their parents couldn't handle them, their families couldn't handle them, the schools couldn't handle them, so they were put in this facility. We had a, a, an individual back then who watched his father kill his mother and three of his siblings and obviously had issues after that for forever um, and had outbreaks because of that, had flashbacks because of that by no, by no uh, cause of his own, just the situation that he lived through, the things that he, the violent flashbacks that he would have. Most of the time, he was a great kid. He stopped talking for six months of the time, then all of a sudden, you know, hey, Rob, how are you? One day, you know, if he felt comfortable, and then after a couple of months, he would just stop talking for months again and just nod his head. But we were able to do it. So you know what? If you're out there, if you're doing things, if you're committing crimes, if your family's not going to take responsibility for you and, and do it themselves, then you know what? The state needs to come in. The cities need to come in. They need to start putting people in a facility with a boot camp type mentality. But part of getting out of that situation, part of you getting parole or getting released is doing the things you need to do, need to do as far as getting at least a GED, maybe learning a trade, set up some kind of a work program, work release program. You know, we talk about all the time how there's jobs that are not being filled everywhere. Yes, it's not going to work out 100% of the time. It's not going to work. But if we, can, if we could do 50% better than we're doing now, if we could do 20% better than we're doing now, rather than the judicial revolving door, it's worth the try. Try it on a trial basis. Like I said, I've worked in this environment. It didn't work with everyone, but we had a great success rate. We had at least, I believe, 78% at least graduate with a GED from the type of program that I worked in. And again, this was, what, 35 years ago, 30-something years, 30 years ago? It's doable. We just need to have the fortitude to do it and try something new where everyone doesn't have their hand out to make a dollar doing it. It's supposed to be serving and changing the atmosphere that's out there of criminality. It's uh, 3.43 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 3.46 here at the station, 67 degrees and sunny. Well, it looks like that Bob Casey might have a Democrat primary challenger from uh, Western PA. A progressive Democrat announced uh, a primary challenge this week for the U.S. Senate next year. Uh, Blaine Faulkner, a 43-year-old resident of Scott Township, Allegheny County, not Scott Township here in Lackawanna County, described in a campaign announcement as an engineer and two-time cancer survivor, is running on the progressive platform of universal health care, gun ownership reform, and free tuition for college students. Oh, I guess he's thinking out of the box as a progressive, huh? I'm running for U.S. Senate to give a voice to the teacher, the student, the nurse, the doctor, the electrician, the engineer, and everyday American everywhere, Faulkner said in a statement. I'll fight against the Washington bureaucrats and plutocrats to make health care universal for everyone. 
lower the cost of of a college degree, and ensure an economic future that works for workers, he said. Do they have a script for this? I mean, do they really mean this stuff, or is this kind of the talking points? I I think we're going to get a lot of this, and we're going to talk about the GOBP debate that's supposed to happen tonight at 9 o'clock at the Reagan Library. But you hear a lot of them on both sides. It's everyone. They get their talking points. They say what people want to hear. They say it, and they mean nothing that they say. Sounds great, but obviously, you know, when you dig a little deeper and say what plans do you have to do these things or how are you specifically going to do these things, they have no comment. They have nothing. You know, um, I I was watching some hearings today where, where AOC was badgering a witness from the New York State Council on uh, immigration reform and basically asking, well, what's your plan to reform immigration? And again, this is a state official. The immigration reform is not their wheelhouse. But yet, Representative Ocasio-Cortez has been in for what? A few years now? Four years? She's won re-election once or twice? Four or six years she's been in? Has yet to produce a bill to reform immigration. And again, that's her wheelhouse. She can give a bill tomorrow. And it's interesting to see her fight on social media with Elon Musk, where he, he, she said something and he said she's not smart. And um, she went on this, I was the youngest, I, I didn't come from a rich family. Okay, you're taking a dig at him because he did. Um, I'm, I became the youngest member of Congress and, and such and such. But what stemmed that back and forth, and again, our our internet is hazy to say the least here, to to get that back and forth was she's bringing up Ellis Island and how in 58 years or 68 years, 12 million people came through Ellis Island and what's happening now isn't even close to that. Well, yeah, it kind of is. We've had 2.7 million last year alone illegal immigration come in you're talking 12 million over a 68 year period we've had a a half of that annual in new york city alone it's time for the bloomberg money minute we'll be back you're with the rob o'donnell show here on wilk news radio it is 354 here at the station in pittston 69 degrees and sunny outside beautiful day outside hopefully you can get some time outside to enjoy it well I, i finally was able to pull up uh this video of uh, what was being talked about from AOC, where she's d- comparing Ellis Island to the current crisis, manufactured crisis, mind you, here, that we're dealing with now. So let me play what she said, and then I'm going to break down some numbers for you. Numbers of when it comes to people coming to New York City today are nothing. I'm telling you, nothing compared to the daily amounts of people that we saw coming in from through Ellis Island in the first half of this century. You're seeing, you know, more than 12 million immigrants that passed through Ellis Island between 1892 and 1954. And we have seen just huge numbers of people coming in per day that ha- that far eclipsed, um, far eclipsed what we're seeing right now. So the... the- Mind you, that was legal immigration as opposed to what's going on now, which is mayhem at the border. But let me break down those numbers for you. 
between 1892 and 1854, that's what she was describing, 12 million people came between uh, came through Ellis Island. And again, not just into New York, through New York, a lot of them went to the rest of the country, Chicago, Philadelphia, Massachusetts, Boston, anywhere in the country they went. But from 1892 to 1954, 12 million people came through Ellis Island. That equates to 194,000 per year. New York City alone has received more than half that this year to date alone. Over 100,000. The U.S. as total has had 2.73 million illegal immigrants enter alone in 2022. That's 23% of the 62-year legal migration total. What is she talking about? But she says these things, she puts these videos out there, and they go like wildfire. And they say, look, look how right she is. 12 million people came through Ellis Island. We can handle a couple hundred thousand. First of all, she was talking about a gateway into America, not just New York City. Yes, they came through Ellis Island, which happens to be in New York City. 12 million people in 62 years comes to 194,000 per year. Last year alone, we had 2.73 million illegal aliens. Immigrants, migrants, whatever you want to call them, come in. And it was asked, why are the Democrats allowing unfettered illegal immigration? What's the end game? And, and I thought about that today, this morning. And here's their endgame. Increased representation in Congress. A lot of people want to look at voting and having illegal migrants or not authorized people or whatever you want to call them vote is going to be a stretch. This, by that means, is not because it's current law. This is coming straight from census.gov. Are unauthorized immigrants included in resident population counts? Yes, all people, citizens and non-citizens, with the usual residents in the United States are included in resident population for the census. Which means illegal immigrants, New York City, they get counted in the next census. When they draw lines for representatives in Congress, there's that many more people. You need another representative in Congress. we got to redraw the lines. We're going to get more people. That's how you get your Democrat votes. Not voters, representation in Congress. Gerrymandering the lines because the census counts illegal immigrants. Now, this works both ways. Will the Republicans do the same? Will Eagle pass Texas? Turn around and say, look how many people we have. Millions. Yes, they're coming through. Some of them are staying. You know, we need better representation. We need to redraw the lines. This is part of the endgame. This is what they're looking at. So it's not necessarily future voters, although that's a concern. It's not necessarily... Making them legal citizens, they don't have to. They're counted in the census, which in turn will manipulate boundaries of Congress people, members of Congress, to benefit them, to benefit their stance. 
They're useful tools. That's the way they look at illegal immigrants, useful tools. They could care less, obviously, because they're cramming them in cages at the border. They're cramming them in shelters. They're letting them sleep on the streets. They don't care for anything but money and power. It's 4 o'clock here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute.